With the inception and traction that blockchain and crypto has gathered, the world is possibly on the verge of the largest evolution since the mainstream of the internet. Given the fluidity and dynamic nature of this technology, business leaders, enthusiasts, and veterans all need to band together to navigate the current and upcoming storms. Participants in Web 3.0 want a trusted resource that gives them pertinent information about projects, tokens, technology, and businesses. We are business people talking the business of crypto. We are Y Whales. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Y Whalers, wherever in the world you are today. So today is episode 15 of the Y Web 3 Navigating Frontier Tech. Uh, we're diving into a whole bunch of interesting topics today. And as always, I have an amazing panel with me. Uh, from important changes in regulations, the newest breakthrough in quantum computing and AI, uh, we're going to really be untangling a lot of the complexities of the tech world. Uh, join us as we go through topics from crypto settlements, uh, the changing in central uh, entities, and really the impact of generative AI on the job market. Uh, today is November 30th. Bitcoin is at 37.5 uh, and the NASDAQ is at, at 14.2. Um, let's kind of jump in and go through our guests. Uh, Liat, would you mind giving a, a quick introduction of yourself and your background? Because it's uh, really amazing what you've done in the space already. Oh, thank you. Um, thanks for having me, Jay, and, um, and for being on board. I love what Way Wales is doing. So um, Liat Aronson, um, kind of a former mergers and acquisitions lawyer, but went uh, head deep into um, this space by forming Horizon Labs with uh, two co-founders. We were navigating the way to make blockchain more accessible when we hit on uh, an incredible opportunity to help uh, Yuga Labs launch the ApeCoin, which created a trajectory for Web3 advisory, that is where um, our spin out, Horizon Labs Ventures, is today. So that's what we're really excited about getting Web3 um, to have sustainable, smart economics. And, um, and that's what we do. Fabulous. Uh, Ferrier, uh, good, good to meet you for the first time. And I've been a, a big fan of Clipo Labs for a long time. So I, I, again, you, you've uh, built so many things in the industry and I'd love to kind of uh, give us a little bit of your background and how you ended up here today. Sure. Um, uh, my background um, it starts with engineering. And then um, I, in the past life, I was also a lawyer, um, worked for Tesla for a number of years as a head of open source compliance and a member of the legal team. Subsequently, we started Clipo Labs. And uh, for the past several years, we've been working on turnkey solution for um, high resolution photorealistic immersive environments with all accessibility to all sort of um, Web3 applications. It's amazing. So let's go ahead and, and, and start off with, uh, you know, some of the articles that we have today. Um, and so I think the big one that everyone kind of agreed just sounds the most exciting and, and, and really deals with a little bit of, you know, I, we talk a lot about a reg tech on this, this show, but I think we're, while we have uh, metaverse and immersive commerce experts on, let's, let's kind of jump through that. So uh, Italian regulators are investigating online AI data scraping. <clears throat> this is really interesting. So the Italian data protection authority, I, I don't know exactly what they do, uh, but sounds of very, sounds very uh, uh, important, has launched an investigation in data gathering practices for AI training. The probe aims to access security measures on public and private websites to prevent 
private, prevent web scraping of personal data into AI algorithms. So I think this is really a topic that we've talked about, you know, quite a bit. And now it's interesting to see if it's gone from kind of a theoretical conversation, you know, on Twitter and various other landscapes to now we're into regulatory authorities saying, hey, there may be some laws violated here. And I think this is really important when we think about, you know, copyright and, and you know, kind of who owns what. And, and you know, my thought right off, you know, kind of goes to the bat of, um, the things that I produce, you know, the things that we all produce, you know, I, I believe that they're my proprietary, uh, you know, rights to, to publish those. Um, there's various copyright laws from open source uh, to, you know, kind of like patented uh, that, that you can do. And you want to make sure because AI is so ingenious about what it does and it doesn't really understand laws and it also doesn't understand, you know, what it's doing. So sometimes saying no, um, no, you can't even see this data because it, it may be smart enough to reverse engineer, I think is a really interesting point. Um, so, you know, let's jump right over to uh, Farrar. Um, you know, what, what's your thoughts on this? Do you, do you think that this is an existential threat, you know, that um, AI is just going to steal your data? I don't think so. And I, I, you know, knowing more about the context of this story, which I guess, uh, surprisingly, the article is, is, is somewhat vague on, uh, uh, sheds more light. But generally speaking, for AI systems, the quality of your data is everything. Um, and scraping internet, when you scrape internet, you come across a lot of junk because because for all sort of SEO optimization, all that sort of stuff, a lot of websites include lots of data that is just, for lack of a better term, is contaminating your data set. If you if you at all hoping to have have something some some sort of a respectable data set, so I really first I don't really see how scraping internet could help you arrive at any sort of data set that's useful in the first place. And second, I don't understand what specifically Italian authorities are thinking that that data set would achieve or accomplish. I want to note, however, that you might recall last year, the Italian authorities also, for, for a brief period of time, even uh, bad, uh, banned ChatGPT. So they seem to be somewhat um, allergic to this whole notion of AI, and they, they seem to be kind of uh, jumping on ev ev any opportunity to try to kind of uh, wrap, their, wrap their mind and their hands around it, if you will. But how much of it is, is legitimate kind of fear um, that could materialize in terms of like um, accessibility of uh, people's personal information and what does it even have to do with the data set for training AI? I'm, I'm not sure about that, but I, I, I don't think it's, it's, a, it's an issue. You know, the, um, and I think that's a very interesting point, you know, and AI has been around for 30 plus years. You know, this is not like this technology that randomly discovered. It just had a, a point of awakening of which now suddenly people are utilizing it. Um, you know, same as, you know, blockchain existed before Bitcoin. Um, but that was the first use case, you know, that, that took a decade for people to care about. Uh, you know, my, my thoughts around this and, and, you know, to your point is, you know, what, what's the harm? I, I think it's one of those things that, that, having this switch, the ability to turn a switch on and off to say, I, I don't want my data scraped is I think what they're going after, most likely a budget and a, an ability to explore and understand. Um, you know, I, I've always said, if you put it online, like it's out there forever. Well, you, there's no, there's no such thing as a delete button. You, you post a tweet, um, you know, Elon said something, you know, really incredibly dumb the other day and he had to, you know, come, come visit, you know, your, your country, Liad, and he had to go on stage and say, I was incredibly dumb doesn't matter if you delete it. Once you say it, it's out there forever. So what, what's your thoughts on, on, you know, kind of this ability to be, I guess, maybe forgotten or, or not to be included in a, a forever data set? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that that is, um, 
At the heart of this issue, and with Italy in particular, but in the EU, EU in general, the idea of data protection has always been kind of first and foremost. And I think they're really grappling with this notion that for the younger generation, privacy isn't as important um, per se. And um, the generation that does feel that it's important is is trying to wrap its head around a technology that it has no idea how it's developing and where it's developing. Fair. To come back to you on a, on a different article, you know, so the California, California governor, um, I guess that's Newsom, is calling for statewide generative AI training. <laughs> so, you know, again, there's, there's a common theme here that now suddenly... Yeah, now, now there's this common theme that the government's getting involved here. And the goal is to equip residents with skills to thrive in a generative AI economy and address potential job impacts. Um, are we kind of like, are we training people? Is it too early for this at this point? You know, is, is my question. You know, you you produce a lot of content. You you put things out there. You have a lot of projects. I, I know you employ a lot of, uh, you know, 3D artists and, and these are highly skilled, uh, you know, sure. developers and everything else. Are, are, are we a little early to, to start saying we're going to train someone on kind of an alpha product at this point? Um, we might be. Um, and I don't I don't understand specifically why generative AI in this context it's all AI if you will it's, it I mean generative is just a, it's just a subset and not necessarily the scary one if you will yeah <laughs> we're not there yet um so I I I I think is this is just a way for the government to kind of um, note that they're they're kind of thinking about it and there are some um you can hear the murmurs of some public outcry about the fears of uh, AIs replacing jobs and everyone's hearing that, okay, now it writes codes, now it does this, now it drives cars. So, you know, uh, now now it's kind of creeping into all sort of aspects of society. So I guess the average citizen is worried that it might come for them anytime soon. So governments are trying to kind of preempt those sort of public sentiment, if you will, by trying to basically um, beat some comfort into the issue of uh, educating public more so that uh, I guess they can they can be more a bit, feel a bit more comfortable with the whole concept it, you, common usage of it as it's going to be more prevalent in everyday life and eventually yeah. and eventually it will add, um, impact the uh, job market in a few years time immensely um, and that's something that uh, I guess to some extent uh, affects many aspects of life like if you think about it for a state of California, if if a future comes in four years time where a lot of uh, lots lots of jobs are replaced by AI, you could basically do a backup and envelope calculation, and realize the tax implications in terms of income for the states of how how yeah. how dramatic that could be, right? So I guess uh, government uh, along with people, they're trying to kind of again wrap their head around how is it scary? How scary is it? You know, what are the implications? What are the ramifications? What are the timelines? What is really happening? So uh, listen, the, the next really kind of is, is we see government stepping in. Now, now I think we'll understand the reason is, is the private sector is scaring the bejesus out of them. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more uh, about the, the chaos at OpenAI here in a second with, I've, I've never in my life seen a more dysfunctional, you know, uh, you know board governance failure than, than what happened there. Um, but, but, you know, Vitalik, who, you know, is, is clearly, you know, a, a technologist, uh, a futurist and, and sees a lot and, and he's incredibly wealthy. 
So he's able to uh, fund projects. He's able to see projects. He gets a lot of doors open to him. Um, you know, so when someone says like Elon or Vitalik says something, I, I do take it with with more than just a grain of salt because they've obviously seen or heard something from someone that knows uh, an unreleased product. Uh, so Vitalik, uh, Ethereum's co-founder, warns of the potential of a super intelligent AI uh, that can surpass humans and become the next apex species. Um, Elon has warned about this. We, we've seen a number of people. There's been councils on this. I, I think it is a real concern that we need to have. Um, and, you know, Liad, I'd love to come back to you. Uh, I know this isn't exactly your area of special, you know, specialty, uh, but in the same sense, we're, we're all kind of in this together to under, that we have to understand, you know, what is now a, a 200 pound gorilla, you know, could grow up and be a, a 10,000 pound gorilla here soon that, that could get out of control. Yeah, you know, um, I'm following this in the same way I think that you are in that um, I'm listening to what smart and um, well-versed people are saying. It's certainly frightening. And I think um, what we're seeing now is is an, on the one hand, um, some fear mongering, some maybe rightful fear and trying to understand what it is and how to hopefully be able to either regulate it or understand how to tackle it. But as I told you, when we started talking about this, this is one of those places where I'm just, I'm, I'm watching and um, fearful on the one hand, I'm still an optimist on the other and just waiting to see how it plays out. But certainly when, when Vitalik speaks, it's something to, to take into account. And I think that is a fear. Yeah, you know, to, and to circle back around, you know, the, the last week, um, you know, right before Thanksgiving, there was this this entire, you know, uh, uh, just chaos uh, of you know failure of board governance at OpenAI. Sam Altman, you know, was was abruptly fired out of the blue. Uh, it was it looked like it could be a coup, board coup to take it over. It, I, honestly, I still don't understand what what exactly happened, but there was enough basically coming out that saying the the underlying crux was that Sam was pushing too fast uh, without necessary safeguards. And I think the question is, is that if you do have a true awakening, you know, a, a, a like a real, you know, what Vitalik is warning here, a true apex predator that doesn't have the safeguards that the most important thing, you know, in, in this AI's existence is the human species, uh, you know, right to exist. Um, you know, it sounds very, you know, like Terminator sci-fi, but that's a real concern. Um, because, you know, once, you know, look at, look at COVID, look at, you know, kind of what happened to the world there. Um, you know, it, it, we, we managed it, you know, I'd say poorly, um, but we, we managed to get through it as, as a human species that to deal with a global threat, um, that, you know, we could just say, just stay inside, you know, like the best thing to do is just social distance and stay away. But at this point, there's very few countries left in the world outside of like maybe North Korea that aren't connected to the global internet. Uh, in a way that if there is a true virus per se, and I think that's the way I think that I, I hear Vitalik stating this is this is no longer like, you know, doing memes and, and, you know, kind of helping us, you know, do our homework. This is like, there's a true threat to our species. Uh, we need to, we really do need to have safeguards, you know, for, for air or what, what's your, yeah, kind of I have, um, yes, uh, I have, I have a couple of points. Uh, um, so number one is, um, I think these uh, concerns are uh, somewhat legitimate. If, if we and need, they need to be these concerns need to be entertained seriously. If this is going to go wrong, we need to understand in Elon's word, this is kind of an extension level 
kind of problem, right? Now, yeah. at the same time, you have competing interests. One is that um, we can talk about how scared we are of it and what could go wrong. The fact is that development of it uh, and evolution of it from a species kind of standpoint, it's not going to stop. As a matter of fact, it's going to ever accelerate. And one of the simple reasons is that in the world of AI, is not like one body is, is in control. You have geopolitical concerns. You have basically... Um, potential regional adversaries going at it. There are lots of uh, competing military applications that 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 basically are are heavily engaged in in, in uh, AI research and all that sort of stuff. So as 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 much as we want, we can kick and scream about how dangerous it could be and it, it will be. But it we need to also be practical about the fact that we can't control its evolution. So what I think would really make sense, and this happened long, long ago when when uh, nuclear energy and nuclear bombs and all those sort of stuff came to seem. There was all sort of nuclear non-proliferation treaties. There was all sort of collaboration between <clears throat> government, even adversaries, trying to make sure that nothing accidental happens. I think the time has come for a kind of multinational AI safety research kind of body, if you will, to look at this and all aspect of it and just focus not on not on slowing down the development or expecting that development it doesn't accelerate, which it will, understanding nature of the issue for what it is, and then trying to understand, okay, how can they contribute to safety? What 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 can they produce that every basically application of AI could possibly integrate that is somehow it teaches the AI, please don't kill human beings, <laughs> you know, they're, they're vital for existence of, you know, in, in earth or, or so, somehow, somehow basically try to have it both ways. That's what I'm trying to say. You know, my, my question, you know, back to that and, and as yeah. a thesis and Liat, please, please expand is I think that the difference of a nuclear arms treaty is, is that it does take nation states. You know, you're, you're talking about, you know, billions of dollars and, 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 and immense resources of which there's still very few countries on this planet that are able to do so. The, the difference here is is the concept is that you can have a kid in a basement that doesn't really understand what he's doing that that does have some sort of breakthrough uh, and access and and releases this you know very much the same as a virus that gets released from from a lab unintentionally uh, this gets out and so uh, the the thought is you know to me I believe blockchain um, you know is not designed for humans it's it's designed for 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 bots it's designed for AI and sure. I think that to me. The concept of token gating, the, top, the the concept of of utilizing blockchain as a safeguard against AI is the very best way to protect the financial markets, to protect against a lot of these things. Because you know, blockchain, you know, listen, if, if quantum computing comes along, then and and you can you know hack Bitcoin in, in 19 seconds, then there's nothing in the world that's safe sure. until that point happens. We're let's push that aside. But but being able to kind of safeguard and and utilize blockchain in this capacity, I think is. Uh, to me, the best thing that I've seen to to contain uh, how how bots and, and AI is used in this world. But you know, Leah, please. So I'll just take it a little bit um, at higher level. I think um, we, as a human race, we keep uh, creating something that has incredible advantage and an incredible threat, and then we somehow um, find either ways to try to control the threat um, and find solutions that counter that threat. My the optimistic side of me thinks that we'll continue in that vein, and will some people get hurt, and will there some be some big big like messes to clean? Yes, there will be, but I am optimistic, and maybe blockchain is one way to do it. And then when quantum computing does come, then we'll have to deal with that as well. So I'm 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 a believer in the human race's ability to to find ways to protect itself, but I don't think it come it will come without some pain and suffering along the way. 
Yeah, very interesting. Um, Ferrer, you know, so the SEC is now looking for for fraud, you know, FTX style fraud, which is, you know, uh, embezzling, right. money laundering, and everything else right. uh, in, in Binance. And I, I think the most important point that I want to point out is this is not a failure of blockchain. This is not a failure of cryptocurrencies. Th- this is like Bear Stearns, Enron level, like white collar crimes right. um, that, that, you know, Bankman sat on trial and said, it's just bad trades, like, like, you know, and, and nobody believed him, you know, so is, sure. is this kind of the point where, you know, it's not that we want the traditional banks and financial institutions to be controlling the cryptocurrency market, but, but do we need the adults to now show up in the room and say like, look, regulation's not scary, um, but it has to be managed and you, you can't play by your own rules just because it's a different technology. Indeed. And um, I want to like, look at this uh, for a second from a kind of a macro perspective, um, if you notice that it is a pattern that also had happened in traditional securities, like prior to many of uh, bad events, like uh, you mentioned Andron, you'll see that the way things work is that uh, a field kind of goes about doing its own thing until like uh, some shoe drops and then the government gets involved and then things normalize. So it's, a, it's kind of a pattern we've seen. And, you know, in some positive respect, this happened... Um, in a way that it happened, um, it kind of forced government to even recognize this industry. Because if you, if you if you think about it, before at some point in time, there was such silence from on the side of government. And I think and I and I was puzzled. I was puzzled back then, to, to trying to think. Okay, if they think if they if they, they if they don't even talk about it, I mean, it doesn't exist. It is not going to affect anything. It's not going to be legitimized. I think so. They resist even recognizing it, if you will, for some time, until something about FTX and Binance came about, and now they're coming in and saying that we do have the authority and this needs to be regulated. And eventually, this is this is good for the end consumer. And when you have a regime that the end end consumer is basically protected, and money doesn't go into some blind bucket like you know FTX or Binance that you that you just have to trust. Remember, this whole thing started for for lack of trust to fiat currency and in, in, institutions. Now we end, and then we ended up with FTX, where you where you hear the yeah. entire company is being managed on a QuickBooks. So <laughs> it was it was that was kind of defeating, if you will. But now with with all's been happening, I think we will see a brighter future, where um, eventually government is recognizing its use cases, its actual existence in in society, and subsequently um, respectable financial institutions going to adopt it. So. So it's going to be regulated partly by its f- further use and involvement of adults, as you mentioned, and the mm-hmm. fact that government is actually trying to prevent, you know, cataclysm. So, so shifting uh, just a little bit over into kind of, I think, some of the utility of, of, of blockchain. Um, you know, again, where there's not much we can control, the SEC is doing their thing. I, I, I highly disagree with their tactics and approaches, but we won't go too into the there. Um, but Fireblocks just launched, and, and I'm excited about this because I'm actually going next week uh, to Tulum to the, the Fireblocks uh, Spark Conference. This is their first one. And I got to tell you, um, you know, we, we've been a client of, of them. You know, I, the two things I hate the most uh, about Web3 are wallets and bridges. Like I think that the, the mark has just been missed entirely on those two concepts. So I'm excited to see. And most importantly, um, you know, when we're talking about failures of exchanges from FTX and, and so many others, uh, they're, they're launching a ability to have an off-exchange 
uh, you know, wallet verification system. So you can, you can still utilize uh, an exchange, but the funds are now held outside of what would be the normal omnibus. So Fireblocks introduces off-exchange, a trading system addressing centralized exchange risks. It enables institutions to trade without fully relinquishing custody, including uh, uh, MPC wallets, uh, multi-shards, reducing counterparty risk, and preventing collapses similar to FTX. This is, I think, like, yes, this is the right way to do it. If I bought, if I if I go to Coinbase or Kraken or anyone else and I have, I have purchased Bitcoin or anything else, it should be mine. Put it somewhere where I know it exists. You know, I don't, I, I hate self-custody. Um, so I feel good about this, especially having used, used uh, you know, Fireblocks software. I know how good it is compared to everything else on the market, but it's very expensive. So, I mean, you're talking about for us at, at Whitewells, it's about $70,000 a year um, to have that level of protection. So the thought that you can have that as a normal user on Coinbase or, or Kraken or, or Binance or anyone else, and your funds are safe in the case of a collapse, like this is a win. Uh, Liat, what's your, what's your thoughts? Because again, this is something we've dealt with so many times. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, this is a great development in to making blockchain technology more accessible because like you said, you hate self-custody. Well, a lot of people hate self-custody and, and it's also just inaccessible to a lot of people. Um, you just hate it, but a lot of people just can't do it. So I think this is um, one of those building blocks. I'm positive and there are already like some articles, will, there'll be naysayers and there'll be some uh, hiccups along the way, but I think this is definitely the right direction um, to enable um, kind of developing technology to offer protection so that all of the things that are happening on centralized exchanges, which is where all the bad things can happen, um, get mitigated into a place where we can truly use blockchain technology the way that it's supposed to be used. Yeah, and and you know, uh, for our, we saw in the trial of, of Sam Bankman that it, it came out that they were taking clients' Bitcoin and selling it, you know, at, at low market rates to keep the price of Bitcoin down. We still don't know why they were doing that. And that was during the bull rush when, when everything was going up, we couldn't understand where there's this massive sell pressure. Uh, they were still saying, you know, clients, your, your Bitcoin is here. Um, it's in the account. It's safe. Don't worry. You know, we're representing that you, your Bitcoin's here, but they were, were selling it out the back door. Um, I, I don't, I mean, clear fraud and, and so many other things, but you know what, yeah. No, but also consequence of fraud. I mean, this has nothing to do with crypto in that sense. It's just, yeah. you know, it. Yeah, but but I, I mean, to me, this is also the way. Like, let's let's be clear. This what Fireblocks is presenting here, and and again, I'm I'm, I'm going to the conference, but I, I'm not paid by them in any way, shape, or form. Um, this is what I think banks should institute. Like, if I give my money to a bank, like, and and you know, I want to know what's there. I mean, look at what happened in with our in, just our industry, not in the in the blockchain crypto side. Look at what happened to us on the TradFi side. You know, Silvergate. You know, uh, 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 Silicon Valley Bank. Um, you know, I know so many so many amazing companies that have absolutely no fault of their own. You know, relying on these institutions, they didn't realize that they were you know their money was being thrown out the back door into garbage investments and, and buying bonds that that anyone with a half a brain would say this is not a, a, a solid trading strategy to buy long term. So much better, and so much better to have it protected by by this you know technology than even a government insurance policy yeah. like the banks have 
Yeah, and, and uh, let's let's remember something, which is which is sometimes it, it just it just baffles me. This whole thing started like the advent of Bitcoin. Why why did we even go there? Because we were afraid of centralized authorities. Like we didn't like fiat currencies, central banks, cent- you know, centralized points of authority. And then we ended up when Sam Sam Bankman frieds a centralized quick, QuickBooks software <laughs> for holding everyone's everyone's account. And it wasn't it wasn't it was not supposed to be like this, right? This needs to become a fully trustless system where no one single point of authority, no one sing- centralized being entity is in control or can cause any sort of damage, right? Yep. So I think I think there's a lot to do, but I think this is a step in the right direction for sure. Yeah, to me, the the ability to know, and and I, I, this will be used, you know, right off the bat for first off for, you know, the the, the blockchain based uh, exchanges. But to me, this is like I, I think one of the biggest developments that we've seen, um, kind of the blockchain that is strat, tradfi based. You know, we already know, and I, I know most banks are are working on you know blockchain uh, integration. Uh, so there's you know the CDBCs and all that other garbage that, that's going out there. But the, the core banking systems that, that every bank operates around the world has been working over the last, you know, three to five years on, on allowing for digital currencies, allowing for, for cryptocurrencies, whatever they're going to allow, but they're allowing for kind of that wallet systems. And, and um, so I, I think this is huge, not just for uh, cryptocurrencies or, or NFTs, um, but this is, this is a real, like, big game changer to the SWIFT system and everything else uh, that we now have validation and verification that I would choose a traditional bank that says, your account's safe. Look, if we're lending the money, that doesn't mean that if we default, we're, we're you know, your assets are now ours. You know, if a bank makes a bad choice, same as if, if, if Binance or FTX makes a bad choice, you know, I as a consumer shouldn't be harmed. That's what the regulations there are to do. We just haven't had the technology to be able to, to truly silo funds of potentially millions or billions of people uh, away from, from that collection point. Um, so is we, or any other thoughts we had on that one? Cause this is, no, this I, is that's very well put. Good. So as we kind of bring this to a close, you guys are both, uh, you know, extremely active right now. And, uh, you know, during bull markets, we're all just doing everything we can to, to, you know, ride that wave and do, and, uh, you know, make it kind of happen and get ready for the next one. Uh, but in, in the crypto winter, uh, we've been building, you know, all of us have been building, we have new projects coming out. It, it allows, you know, kind of the FOMO is all gone. It allows those of us that, that, you know, kind of had funding, uh, had the concepts and insights to survive, uh, you know, really there. And you guys are absolutely at the top of that list. Uh, love to hear uh, whatever we can about what you're working on. And if you have any projects or, or things coming out that we should know about, um, you know, this is, this is the excitement here. So, uh, Liat, you want to start? Yeah. So, um, you know, the projects that we work on in our clients, that's, um, for SEC reasons, we can't go out and kind of, if I gave you the names and said it, it would sound like I might be proposing for you to buy the cone, but I will tell you that we are working on some really great projects that are, um, kind of game-based um, where token economies make a lot of sense. And what we're really excited about is the projects that we're working on right now are projects that are already out there and they're doing um, things and we're helping them either uh, launch a token to um, an established community. So what we call project market fit um, or um, projects that have already launched and just um, trying to get out there. So I can't name any names, but um you can definitely keep, keep reading the news and uh, you'll, you'll see our projects and, uh, and Horizon Labs Ventures uh, mentioned with them and, and really proud of 
I'll, if people want to follow, if people want to follow along, uh, where are you most active? Yeah, so I, I think um, X or former Twitter, and um, we're under HLV Horizon Labs Ventures and HLV on um, on X, and um, that's probably the best place to find us. Fabulous, uh, Fier, uh You you guys have so much going on, uh, uh, and I know you you got the same problems. We're all NDA'd, you know, six yes. weeks from Sunday. <laughs> exactly. So um, can they name names? But I can um, I can say that. Within the uh, confines of uh, Hollywood industry, we have some exciting projects going on. Um, as you said, we basically uh, d- dedicated our efforts mostly during the uh, crypto winter and uh, winter in building, and uh, we took our um, interactive immersive reality stack of technologies. And one thing that we made is we made it accessible via uh, browser, both on mobile and on web, because previously you had to download our app to be able to access the multiverse platform, then you don't need that anymore. Now, one thing that's exciting is that also we also have these um, uh, custom GPTs connected to our avatar. So we now have this uh, basically turnkey solution for uh, designing all sort of games, immersive commerce, where you can have our avatars uh, let's say trained as a customer service agent, uh, producting all sort of uh, products and services, and basically you have an immersive shop uh, that's web-based and super easy to access. So in a way, a kind of an immersive environment that uh, that has a lot of uh, capabilities can directly be embedded inside merchants' own IP and website, and they don't have to basically push people into Roblox or other places. They can actually serve serve clients and within the confines of their own brand identity. So we're pretty excited about that. Then we're seeing a lot of positive response. That's amazing. You know, and I think the biggest thing I learned from, you know, kind of the, these last couple bull runs, um, and, and I'm really thankful for is we saw so many like advanced financial vehicles, um, like really pressure tested with, with, you know, let's be clear, like things that aren't real. Um, you know, the, the concepts of digital scarcity, you know, it's, that that's not a real thing. That's an artificial constraint that we put on it. And so now as we're kind of moving to the real world and, you know, we add and Freer, you guys have like real clients that have real use cases and real utility in the world. You know, we've already pressure tested this. Like if, if, a, if, a, if and I, and I understand the difference, if a JPEG that, that is not real in this world, you know, can be worth millions of dollars and you can have value and you can have utility and you can have all these other things. You know, now we can do take real world assets. We can take commerce. We can take different financial vehicles and we can solve and scale a lot of problems that I think have been, you know, excluding a lot of this world uh, around the globe. I've traveled so much this year and I've seen so many people that are just desperate for like, look, we don't need regulation, but we just need transparency. You know, South Africa, like, like, it's, it's, it's such a, it's, it's chaotic. Um, And so I love, 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 you know, what you guys are working on and so thankful Um, for real quick. How can, where can people chase you down? I'm mostly active on LinkedIn. Um, okay. I don't post often actually, but I'm, I'm there a lot. Um, uh, also on X, um, okay. I'm, I'm not, I, for, for what reason, I'm a very kind of quiet silence person. I observe most more, more than I put content out there, but I'm out there. <laughs> so. I have the same exact problem. My 2024 resolution is I, yeah. is I will dedicate a minimum of one hour a day to actively responding and engaging, sure. uh, on, on both X and LinkedIn. So that's, no, no, that's I, do, I do, I do, uh, I do, I do engage with people. I just don't post a lot of content. It's just, it, uh, yeah. listen, yeah. We, it's, it's there. So we are splitting <laughs> sure. the race there. Um, why whales, thank you guys so much for your time as always, uh, you know, please follow along. Uh, end of the year is coming up quick. Uh, and, and again, with everything going on in the world, we hope you're safe, you're hope you're happy and healthy. Uh, let's all, let's all kind of get through this year and, uh, 24, like I said, let's be ready for the next bull run. Uh, we out in fear. Thank you guys so much. Why else? Thank you. Soon. Appreciate it. Thank you. 
YWales was founded in 2021 by Jay Steinbach, a passionate entrepreneur and business owner with the purpose of bringing YPO and YNG members together in the cryptoverse. YWales is a collaborative and confidential community centered around cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, an exclusive crypto hub of more than 600 members. To be notified when we release new content, please subscribe to our show in your preferred listening app. For more information, visit www.ywhales.com. YWales is not affiliated with YPO, but at this time only allow for YPO, YPO Gold, and YNG members due to privacy and confidentiality. Support and production for today's episode was done by Truthwork Media. Nothing in the podcast constitutes professional and or financial advice, nor does any information on the podcast constitute a comprehensive or complete statement of the matters discussed or the law relating thereto.